welcome one and all to the time of your week where you give me your time to listen to near perfect pitch welcome to episode 94 Well, 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 as I promised last week, or alluded to somewhat, uh, I was hoping to have a chat with the monochrome set, and I did, and you can have the fruits of that at the end of the programme. So I'm going to be talking to Bid later on, in as much as I had a wonderful chat with Matthew from Nottingham's I Am Lono. going to be talking to them at the end of the programme as well. So, this week, the programme is brought to you by Bid and the Viscount Orange, as well as the monochrome set, of course, and also Matthew Cooper and the dark, chalky hobnob. Episode 94 is riddled with new releases. I'll kick things off in a, in a few moments with uh, something new off the new brand spanking uh, Living an Extraordinary Times James LP. Also new material by Down Pilot, Cathedral Bells. We've got uh, new material also from Haberdash, The Coral. Uh, a wonderful uh, cover version this week, which is a new release, which is uh, a rendition of a Chills song, which you'll learn more about later. New material from Lovers, as there is from Gold Needles. Palm Ghosts and a host of new releases uh, from I Am Lono at the end as well. Lots to look forward to. I'll fill you in on uh, some of the regular stuff as well, uh, i.e. the non-new releases stuff that I've just plucked that I think that you should listen to. We'll kick things off with James and I'll be back uh, with more and more detail to tell you what to expect over the next three, three and a half hours or so.
Well, I think it's long overdue that we heard some Pele, and that is just that. That is Pele from uh, the second OP, The Sport of Kings, from 1993, and the last single that uh, they released as Pele, uh, their sixth single, Don't Worship Me, and Pele were essentially the brainchild of Ian Prowse, who is now uh, still making records under the name of Amsterdam, and Amsterdam wonderful output they have over over the years since about 2004 I think they started making records anyway and uh, Amsterdam were a firm favourite of, uh, of Mr John Peel's as well especially does this train stop on Merseyside and before that let off the programme this week with uh, something off the brand new James LP their 15th LP go to wearejames.com if you don't already have your bellies full of James content and have a load of their records uh, so again off their brand new LP Leviathan and next up you can hear something new from uh, Seattle's Down Pilot. But before I get into that, I'll let you know what you can expect to hear in uh, in the coming three hours or so. Usual features, which again is usual. Home hat trick. We're going to have a, a uh, hat trick focused on the word home. So uh, instead of my usual lazy, unthematic hat trick, this one has a semblance of a theme attached to it. There's also going to be some material from as follows: Hooton Tennis Club, Massive Attack. We have material from. Uh, actually, I've mentioned Haberdash and the Coral because they're new releases, aren't they? We have our Essential Wax this week, which is uh, Darklands, uh, The Jesus and Mary Chain, which is uh, a delicious LP. Uh, our Peel, uh, weekly Peel track this week, is courtesy of Mr. William Billy Bragg. We also have material in the pipe from Thrilled Skinny Lou Reed. We have uh, Jerry Cinnamon, Voice of the Beehive, another sunny day, Boomtown Rats, and some old REM. Good stuff forthcoming. So uh, it's easy to say stay tuned, isn't it? It's easy to say stay tuned, but this is a podcast, isn't it? So uh, as you should say on the Larry Sanders show, no flipping.
Steak Cog Analyst. Sunday over the miserable Scottish Hotel resembled a Genesis on Marillion 1973 LP cover. All the hotel staff had been dismissed. It was me, the Hoover, and the OAPs asked, could he turn killer? What? Could I kill him? But I guess it's just a cog and a list. Guess it's a cog and a list. Guess it's a cog.
Dog and our left. Bastard, Snake Dog and our left. Bastard, Snake Dog and our left. This week's instalment of the Obligatory Fall R is a guest informant of their 10th LP, The Friends Experiment, released on Beggar's Banquet Records. And I'm trying to get the year right on that. My brain hurts. 1988, I believe, that came out. Now, that's one uh, of our features out at road. Before we heard the fall, though, however, we did hear something new from Seattle's Downpilot, uh, a single off their uh, brand new LP. This is The Sound. You can go to downpilot.bandcamp.com or you can go to uh, Tapete Records, which is uh, the label I pay a lot of uh, uh, material from, from Germany. And uh, you'll also find out, if you listen to the end of the programme, which you should, that Bid from the Monochrome set will be talking about uh, the, the label as well and how they got signed to said label for their last few records and their forthcoming few I hope as well up next we're going to go to California and here's something from uh, Fawns of Love from their brand new EP and it features this wonderful cover version of a chill song that you all should know
once or twice You come over to my place You're screaming blue murder Needing some place to hide Hey, well, I wish you'd keep quiet Imaginations run riot in these paper-thin walls And when the place comes ablaze With a thousand drop names I don't know who to call Sound rats. 
single from 1980 off their third LP, The Fine Art of Surfacing. That's Someone's Looking At You. He's not everybody's uh, favourite person, Mr Geldof, but my goodness me, the Boomtown Rats did release uh, a series of fantastic singles over the late uh, uh, 90s, sorry, late 70s rather, and, uh, and early 80s. Before that, we heard something by the Californians, the Fawns of Love, and they are a tidy, tidy outfit, and uh, I'll give you their URL so you can have a check at all of the offerings that they have on their Bandcamp page, and it's uh, fawnsoflove.bandcamp.com, because the accent, you know, it's fawns, it's fans of love, it's fawns, F-A-W-N-S of love, um, all one word, .bandcamp.com. Learn more about them, and that is their uh, rendition of The Chills quite brilliant rocket science that's our uh, cover me of the week and uh, before that we had our obligatory fall ah oh, of course we had guest informant of uh, the the friends experiment uh, lp from 1988 up next something brand new by haberdash
that we all need reminding as to the might of REM, especially the, their uh, IRS years in, uh, in the beginning. And this particular song, their third single, Talk About the Passions, pulled off their WLP Murmur on IRS Records from 1983, a long, long time ago, and a gem of a tune. Before that, from Sheffield, Haberdash with their second single, which is not quite out yet, but to go to haberdash.co.uk to keep abreast of all things that pertain to them. What Do We Know is the name of that single. Next up, it's time for uh, a hat trick, and in this week uh, I've got a thematic one, and if you're a regular listener, which you should be, and I hope you are, you will know that uh, sometimes they have a theme, sometimes they're just uh, totally random. In this instance, there is a semblance of a theme. It's a home hat trick, and we'll start off with this. Like angels crush inside. 
just get in and close the door and put your foot down. You know, I like this suburb we're going through. I've been around here many times before. When I was young, we were going to move out this way for the clean air, healthy, you know, away from the factories and the smoke. I like that shop too. You can get anything there. So just get in and we'll go for a ride.
track number three from Hat Trick. That's It's Immaterial. Of course it is. We had John Campbell on the show uh, last year, if you seem to remember, if you're a regular listener. And um, Life's Hard and Then You Die is the name of the LP that's pulled off on Siren Records, a single from 1986, Driving Away From Home, Jim's Tune by It's Immaterial. Before that, we had Cathedral Bells, uh, a debut by Florida's Cathedral Bells. And um, it's uh, an interesting release, that one. It's called Homebody, cathedralbellsmusic.bandcamp.com. And uh, Homeboy by Adorable led things off uh, on Creation Records, their third single from 1992. And we've had Pete on the show here as well, under the guise of uh, his new project, uh, uh, Fidge and, uh, and Bickers. He's, uh, he's in cahoots there with, uh, with ex-Household of Guitarist, ex-Levitation member Terry Bickers. And uh, I'm sure if you go back in the annals of Near Perfect Pitch, you can source that interview. It's a very interesting one, actually, and uh, do listen to the tunes as well. If you haven't already, 11 songs in. Time for some Hooten Tennis Club.
massive attack of 1990s debut Blue Lines and that's Unfinished Sympathy the LP version of the single also released in 1990 before that Hooten Tennis Club on Heavenly Records an LP track of 2015's debut uh, and that is a song entitled and then Camilla drew 14 dots on her knee and the debut LP is called Highest Point in Clifftown and if you're a regular listener you'll have heard lots of Hooten Tennis Club and I encourage you to go back in time to the previous 93 episodes whereby I've been lucky enough to have access to lots of music which is the easy part but uh, also talking to a lot of very interesting musical folk and if you go back in time you will not be disappointed uh, it's not me blowing my own trumpet said the actress to the bishop but it's rather just uh, trying to point you in the direction of uh, some wonderful content from interviewees not necessarily me being the conduit but just them on their own if you're curious please go back in time if you're just discovering the program now that's the beauty of podcasts you can go back and uh, listen to them at your behest can't you now next up going to hear something by mr lou reed <laughs>
Billy Bragg, that's this week's weekly peel from the 3rd of August 1983, the A13 Trunk Road to the Sea. That's a Billy Bragg peel session. And um, every week, in case you don't know, we play a, a peel session tune in, in homage, in homage to the great man himself. And of course, the renditions are on, on the peel session versions are invariably better than the original. And uh, I'd hasten to say that one is as well. Now, before that, we heard Lou Reed, one of two singles, pulled off his 14th LP from 86. I remember working in a record shop at the time and... Uh, uh, one of my uh, colleagues just would not stop playing it, and uh, it took me a while uh, to, to to fall in love with it again after having an over inundation uh, every uh, every other day whilst at work. But uh, Lou Reed again, no money down off his fourteenth uh, uh, solo LP, 1986's Mistrial, preceded by Massive Attack uh, with uh, Unfinished Sympathy, the LP version of said single. Up next, something brand new by The Coral from Liverpool, off their ninth studio LP in 16 years. Uh, the brand new Move Through the Dawn. Here's a tune called Reaching Out for a Friend. Reaching out to find a friend In a world where the troubles never seem to mend I'm reaching out for a friend
This week's Essential Wax is the Jesus and Mary Chain and their second LP, Darklands, from 1987. And that is the title track that we just heard. Before we get into more detail with regards to uh, this this wicked, wonderful LP, Darklands, let you know that before that we heard brand new stuff by the Coral of their new Move Through the Dawn LP, their ninth studio LP. Reaching Out for a Friend is the track that we heard. Just over halfway through the, the musical content, do stay tuned for two immense interviews at the end of the programme. Um, firstly with uh, I Am Lona, I'm going to be talking to Matthew, and then I have a wonderful chat with Bid from the Monochrome set. And if you're a fan of the Monochrome set, who've been around for a long, long time, since I was a little lad, um, it'll be uh, very enlightening, I am sure, in as much as the chat with uh, I Am Lono is as well, except they have only been around five minutes in comparison to uh, the uh, the legacy that uh, the Monochrome set leave us with and continue to contribute towards. Right, now, let's talk more about this wonderful record that is our essential wax this week. Mentioned it's the Jesus and Mary Chain, Darklands, from uh, 1987 on Blanco y Negro Records. It peaked at number five, miraculously, and it was uh, the first LP to not feature Bobby Gillespie, the, the, the debut Psycho Candy featured him on drums, but he swanned off to form Primal Scream, so he's, he was replaced by a drum machine. Uh, the lead vocals are performed ostensibly uh, by Jim, with the exception of the song we heard, Darklands, uh, by, uh, by William, in as much as William also uh, sung uh, Nine Million Rainy Days and On the Wall. It was produced by, uh, by William and also aided by Bill Price and John Loder. Let's hear one more song off this record if you haven't already got it. Hopefully this will impel you to go out and buy it. Step back and watch the sweet thing Breaking everything she sees She can take my darkest feeling
off their latest LP entitled Architecture. That is Nashville's Palm Ghost with a tune called Love in Winter. Go to palmghosts.bandcamp.com. And before that, our second of two songs of Our Essential Wax, our featured LP of the week. In this instance, the Jesus and Mary Chains Darklands from uh, 1987. Interestingly, the, another connection to Primal Scream is that uh, Primal Scream recorded a cover version of the LP's title track as a B-side to their 1998 single, If They Move, Kill Em. And in 2011, the album was re-released with extra tracks, outtakes, sessions, the lot, two CDs and a DVD, a triple disc re-release in 2011, rendering uh, the initial release uh, kind of paltry, which is always the case, isn't it, with these reissues? It makes you feel inferior for being into the band first time around. Now, up next, going to hear something by a outfit from Newcastle upon Tyne, their latest single. They're a band called Lovers with a double L. Go get her, go get her. <laughs>
shadows of stone She stood on the edge of my mind I tried to push her away I shut up and locked the door Her eyes grew large and asking Smell of incense filled the room, and the smell of incense filled the
single from the Gold Needles. That is a tune that you can get your hands on on their Bandcamp page at thegoldneedles.bandcamp.com. That is uh, the smell of incense, rather smell of incense without the the. Before that, Voice of the Beehive, who are back together and gigging in California. I was reading about that last week and uh, very encouraged by that. No sign of any new material yet, but uh, we live in hope. That's their debut single from 87 that appears on their WLP, Let It Be, which was released on London Records in 1988. And before that, uh, from Newcastle, Lovers with a double L. That is their latest single, Go Get Her, Go Get Her. So it's Go Get Her and then Go Get Her. Play on words. And uh, facebook.com slash we are lovers with a double l up next biscuits in a tin by thrilled skinny Yeah. 
I just love that song. And what's not to love about it? That's Another Sunny Day, their fourth single from 1989 on Sarah Records. And that features on a compilation of theirs, 1992's London Weekend, You Should All Be Murdered. Hmm, misanthropy at its peak. And biscuits in a tin, in case you're falling asleep, there's some thrilled skinny there, lead track to 1989's Little Piggies and Cows EP, which also is featured on this wonderful C89 compilation as released by Cherry Red. They took a stab at C86, handily did a good job of uh, 87, uh, put 88 to bed, and now, as of, uh, I think, last week, it was released C89, a wonderful compilation of all the indie jingle jangle from that, uh, that year. Now, we are very, very close to uh, approaching the end of the programme where you are going to be treated to two interviews. First, going to be talking to Matthew from I Am Lona, and then going to be having a lengthy chat with Bid from The Monochrome Set. But before we get to that, we have to address this. Tin to have time, kids. What that means is it's uh, my weekly dip into... uh, digital ephemera and uh, this week I've got two for you actually I'm, I'm a bit excited first and foremost this is this is massive massive news if you go to uh, brooklynvegan.com slash sarah hyphen records hyphen is hyphen now hyphen on hyphen bandcamp so brilliant news the uh, the sarah records back catalogue is now available on bandcamp isn't that brilliant? I got the story from Brooklyn Vegan. Go to a brooklynvegan.com. There's a nice little story on there. It'll be in the show notes as well. But just to be aware, you need to know that the Sarah Records back catalogue is available on Bandcamp. And uh, I'm going to get you the, uh, the URL just in, uh, in two seconds' time. Uh, just go to sarahrecords.bandcamp.com and there you will be able to see in all of its glory all of the releases that you can get your hands on now and over the course of time it's all going to be released marvellous news next thing is this is uh, for fans of Cocteau Twins um, when they moved to Fontana it was a bit of a shift for them uh, there's a there's a four CD compilation coming out on Pledge so if you go to the following URL or go to Pledge and just look for Cocteau Twins and it's called uh, the Fontana Years you can get your hands on for a very reasonable price uh, for 24 US, uh, 31 Canadian, a four CD set that uh, puts together all of their recordings from that era, including the Peel Sessions, which of course have been available before, but it also includes some stuff that's really hard to find in good recording formats, and that uh, that, uh, specifically is the Robert Elms Sessions um, from uh, 1996, in as much as also the uh, the Mark Radcliffe Session is on there as well, and that rare track that was on the volume compilation that came out round about, uh, crack, I'm not even going to hazard a guess and make a fool of myself. I know I have it. Uh, Circling Girl is the name of the song. So it's, it's a four-disc comp, and you can get your hands on it through Pledge, and it's very, very handily priced, as I say, at $24.31 Canadian. Don't know what that is in pounds. Can't do the mental maths. So that's our uh, double Tinto web time this week. Isn't that lovely? So we've got uh, Sarah Records now being on Bandcamp, and we also have uh, Cocteau Twins' Treasure Hiding, the Fontani Years quadruple CD set that you can uh, get on Pledge. Uh, not right away, of course, because Pledge doesn't work like Bandcamp. Pledge operates whereby you go on, pledge the money, and once they've reached the critical mass of, uh, of uh, enough subscribers to have the, the particular piece made, then it goes into production. Usually has a deadline date, and uh, this is going to be released on the 12th of October, just so you know. Um, next up, what we're going to do here? Oh yes, we're going to hear something by the quite, quite magnificent Jerry Cinnamon.
of time I'm on a false ego trip Insecurity is rife I'm not the ideal person to be lecturing online But if you want to know Some things I've learned about myself Being in sticky situations I won't bore you with the filth Breaking bones and sniffing gear Pouring blood and sweat and tears In a nutshell I suppose That's the way the water Sometimes, well, alright, maybe all of the time I'm on a false ego trip, well, I'm a renegade of sorts I roam the concrete jungle hunting idiots for sport And now the cocaine scene, it picked me up and made me frown There's some joke, he says the music helps the medicine go down Hey, it makes you feel alive, more like demons of the night Putting powder up your nose, that's the way the water
Nottingham's I Am Lono with a tune called America Off the Hunters Down Like the Dogs We Are EP. Learn more about them at I Am Lono, I A M L O N O dot bandcamp dot com. And I'll be playing you uh, two more songs, one in a couple of minutes. I'll play another song off the Hunters Down Like the Dogs We Are EP. Gonna hear something called Lovers. Uh, and then after that, we're gonna hear a belter called Infrared. Stay tuned for an interview with Matthew that's coming up after this next track, Lovers. But before I play it, I should let you know that before we heard America, we heard something from Glasgow's Jerry Cinnamon, a.k.a. Uh, Jerry Crosby, with Sometimes. That's of his only release thus far called uh, Erratic Cinema, which is a, kind of a compilation of all his uh, singles and, and uh, some of them are demo, uh, demo-like quality as well. Uh, that's off uh, last year's, as I say, Erratic Cinema uh, compilation LP. What a talent this man is. Hoping to get him on the show. I've been uh, badgering him for quite some time. Um, just wanted to play you that to give you a little bit of a sense of how talented this chap is. So I hope in the, in the coming weeks we'll be able to uh, play more and also have a chat with him. Now let's go back to Nottingham and go back to I Am Lono, his lovers. Wow. 
Lovers by I Am Lono. Now it's time for me to have a chat with Matthew. I'll be back after this, of course, to play one more song. And then you've got another interview to look forward to. I'm going to be chatting with, uh, with Bid from the monochrome set after I talk with Matthew. Back soon. Hello. Hello. Is this Matthew? It is, yeah. Is that Sarah? It is. How are you, Matthew? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks very much. Yeah, how are you? I'm all right. I suppose it's a, it's a bank holiday weekend here, so I shouldn't be complaining at all. <laughs> yeah, great. Cool. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you want to have a uh, do you want to have a chat? Well, we're live. Um, we're, well, we're live right now. We're live right now, and we are. Oh, having, right. and, and we are. Well, having, hello, everybody. Yeah, and we are having a chat. So, so, so first of all, you're from Notts. Yeah. Uh, where, whereabouts in Nottingham are you from? Just out of curiosity. Uh, we live in uh, Sherwood. Yeah, personally, I've uh, got like four guys in the band. Um, Dave's from Hutnall, just outside of Nottingham, um, and Tim's from uh, Radcliffe. Uh, and uh, I've got uh, Matt on, on bass, he's, um, he's uh, down in London, but he's sort of travelling up uh, for rehearsals and writing. Oh. And travels down for gigs as well, yeah, yeah. That's cool, because uh, the reason I ask is because uh, when I was very young, I used to live, uh, I used to live in East League, just by, my dad used to work in Gotham at the, uh, the British Gypsum there, so I used to live in Knotts for, for quite a long time, and I'm quite familiar with it, it's nice. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a good city, it's, um, it's really, like, there's a lot of stuff going on, it's quite a small city, but... Um, it's like it's a good music scene, great art scene. Um, it's yeah, everyone gets on. It's good, really good independent scene. A lot of stuff um, like just people sort of doing it off their own back, sort of thing. Businesses and art. I think it's really good. Well, that's that's actually you, you kind of uh, beat me to the punch because I was actually going to ask you about you know the, the scene in Nottingham because obviously I'm so far removed. A you know living over yeah. living here and also not not having lived there for so long. And, um, yeah, I mean, let's be fair. I mean, it's it's not Liverpool, Manchester, Glasgow, or London. But um, no. but but in terms of knots, um, I mean, first of all, I I found out about you via another knots band, uh, specifically, uh, you know, Chris at Six by Seven, who 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 champions you. Oh yeah. Which, yeah 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 yeah. Which is kind of proof proof yeah. positive that there's a bit of a you know a community vibe in knots where you're looking after yourselves, which is nice, especially when yeah, you know it's not exactly the most. A fashionable place in the eyes of music journalism because you're not from Camden or from, you know from deepest Manchester, so it's, it's it's always difficult if you're not from the the, the trendy sorts of places. Now, what, yeah, what, yeah, so, yeah. so you said in Nottingham, there's quite a vibrant scene musically. Does does that sort of filter into other other, other culture and arts as well, or are you just specifically talking about music? Yeah, no, um, I think all all culture generally, really. Like my background's in um, fine arts, so I came here to study art at um, Nottingham Trent University and um, there was a really great kind of, not like sort of almost do it, do it sort of attitudes that a lot of people from the year sort of were involved in setting up studio spaces and uh, that's kind of carried on, there's quite a few um, art studios in the city, um, primary, this was just set up and it's an old sort of old primary school was set up into art studios and it's just putting on shows and uh, studio space for artists as well, which is really good. Got Backlit um, down in Stenton, uh, which is a really kind of up-and-coming uh, creative sort of quarter in the in the city. Um, and the music and art scene are quite interrelated. The, down near in Stenton, you've got a, lot, a number of music studios and uh, art studios. It kind of becomes a kind of uh, opportunity for a lot of like, collaboration and um, yeah, collaboration and sort of creativity really. So it's good. Art and music are really strong in Nottingham for sure. 
That's great. That's really yeah. good to hear. And, and you said that yourself, you've got a you have a fine art degree. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's one thing we have in common. Uh, I, I have one as well, and it got me precisely nowhere in terms of my profession. But it was a it's a nice thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, similar. Yeah. It's a really um, so. Yeah. Where where about to study? Oh, don't even ask. I've studied all over the shop. So I've been in, I've been <laughs> North America, all over the place. But but um, I. I I'm just wondering because of uh, I'm going to skip I'm going to skip to the material so I'm going to get get quite lateral yeah, because yeah. Uh, you've been so uh, forthcoming that you've uh, you've effectively in a nice way cocked up my interview sequence which is good which is which is always good. Um, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's start with the first release because um, you know, when when Leland came out um, that that was that was yeah. that was quite some time ago, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, that's um, a whole five five so yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, that's right. 2012, we released um, Leland, um, Leland and In Silence, sort of double A side, um, on a single self-release. And then uh, a few years later, we released uh, Too uh, right. and sort of self-titled uh, uh, I Am Lone OEP um, on 10 inch. Um, and that was yeah. We, at that time, it was me and David starting. So we were the band. It was just two piece. We play. Uh, David was on bass, and I was played synth and singing, um, and uh, Chris uh, Chris Moore, uh, who, uh, funnily enough, now plays with Chris Olley in uh, 6.7X, but he was our producer, um, and he's sort of been a long-standing kind of producer of I Am Lolo, um, kind of sort of uh, creating, uh, creating the sound through recordings, but also uh, building some of the sort of electronic sounds that we used on stage as well. Um, but since then, there's been a, there's a little bit of, uh, we were going from the two-piece um, into sort of a bigger band kind of setup, um, and Chris Holly was involved in that as well, he kind of, he was sort of like itching to, he kept asking to be in the band, and we were kind of like, well, not really sure, but we really, really like Chris Holly, he's a great guy, a good friend of ours, um, and he was like, like just, let's just have a little, a few sessions together, and um play some music and see what happens and we, we had a go and we kind of routine some of the songs um, which was uh, which was really interesting some of the new stuff we were writing after that EP um, and we, we basically made some fairly drastic changes in terms of we, we were enjoying like what we were doing but we wanted to sort of take it further and take it to the next level and in a way it was about simplifying and making it make, try to make it bigger more powerful through simplifying almost, and we actually got rid of uh, the backing tracks we were using and started having a, a more of a, it, almost more of a conventional setup, um, bass, bass drum, bass guitar, drums, guitar, yeah. and, and keys. Um, and yeah, and so this new EP that we're, that's coming out in October is kind of like, um, is the first sort of iteration of that. It's taken us a little while to adjust from going to the two-piece electronic setup to a more of a live sort of more powerful almost more conventional setup right um, but yeah this is, it's just to be more more powerful really um try to keep some of the strangeness but make it um as, as sort of monumental and uh, kind of iconic as we can really well, that makes sense because I was, I was actually going to bring up of course uh, chris moore because i i I just couldn't uh, join the dots well enough to appreciate that Chris had been involved from the beginning. I, I, I knew he'd produced everything from Why Is Everything Made of Fives onwards, but I didn't know that yeah, uh, he yeah. was involved with with earlier works as well, which is which is great because I was going to ask that because the sound 
I'm not saying the sound is consistent because that would be a fib, because it's not, because you've evolved over the course of time. But, but it, it sounds a bit yeah. cliche, but I, I, if, if I listen to things in sequence, I can map the yeah. progress and it's discernibly you. Whereas I think if yeah, I. That's if, good. Yeah, it is good, but I think if I, for instance, listen to. You know, been completely oblivious to material and only heard the earliest works first and then gone back. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm yeah. as musically brilliant to join the dots if I had approached it that way. But I, I, I'll never know because it's uh, it's been done the it's been yeah. done the formal way. But but uh, you must be very happy with your progressions. And, and I've been lucky enough to hear the, the, the new material, and, and it's 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 a beautiful piece of work. So you must be very happy with it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, no, really happy. I mean. It was, a, it was a big risk to, uh, and it's taken a lot of effort and time to kind of, uh, to, 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 to sort of change it into, uh, from a two-piece to a four-piece. And it kind of felt like we had to kind of open up quite a lot, you know, like literally include more, more sort of minds and uh, people's, uh, let people's sort of skills and ideas come into the fold sort of thing. Um, so it's been really great to get Matt and Tim. Uh, they're a great rhythm section. They just like really are a powerhouse to the band now so it's really uh, it's made the live shows a lot more um, uh, uh, really kind of really powerful really kind of um, really exciting I think um, but yeah really pleased with the EP um, I have yeah I, I hope it's, it's coming out in October we're about to get test pressing back so oh, sweet. looking forward to sort of popping that on the record player nice nice is that going to be on, on, on Louder City as well yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's on out on the Loud City Records, um, same as the uh, the last EP, um, out on Ten Inch again, um, on the Halloween Orange vinyl. So yeah, we'll be releasing that in uh, later in the year. Well, good. Let's so let's make sure that everyone's familiar with that. I am uh, I am Lono dot com. Of course, that's where they're going to be able to buy it. That is absolutely yeah. On Bandcamp, just uh, yeah, Bandcamp. I am Lono. Um, that's. Uh, that's where we can get it. Um, it should be available. Hopefully, we're putting it up for, available for pre-order uh, soon. Then uh, it's available. We'll be sending them out later in the year. Smash it now! Now, when it comes to to looking at your discography, and I'm actually yeah. I'm actually physically looking at it right now because it all resides in, in my in my in my digital music aggregator here. But uh, yeah. there's a there's a nice theme with with the uh, with the last four pieces in terms of. Uh, you know, a visual, consistent aesthetic with, uh, with with the with the artwork, as opposed to, of course, you know, Leland and Too Bright, but very much sort of starting DIY projects. M might I ask, yeah, be right. being that you've got a fine art degree, I'm just wondering what your involvement is with with the actual uh, the artwork itself. Uh, yeah, so I put the artwork together and all the design. So I did that for the last for the last EP, and I've done it for this one as well. Um, the imagery I use isn't sort of isn't mine. The last one was, um, it was the imagery was taken from slides that we found. It was my wife's grandfather's pictures that we found on slides. He he, he worked for a company that <laughs> sort of uh, that weird uh, X-rayed uh, fittings and like massive massive pipes and parts of um, industrial uh, factories. Um, and he'd use sort of X-ray um, technology to sort of look for flaws and faults in those. Uh, and there's, uh, we found this kind of stumbled across this collection of his slides, and some of them were holiday photos and things, uh, <laughs> which were kind of interesting in their own, in their own way. Um, but a lot of these really industrial 
um, industrial imagery that was on these on these photos, and they just had this like beautiful sense of composition on them. Like, they do. They just then they came across. Some of them are just completely esoteric. Like, you've no idea, really, because they're so out of context. <laughs> that's they, it. They, I think that's strange. it. That, yeah. 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 Uh, so is so that your father-in-law? Is that your father-in-law in infrared then? Yeah, that's it. That's what I, uh, my grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's smashing. That's, that's and uh, I, I had to join those dots there as well because uh, I, 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 I'm a bit of a sucker for the aesthetic and uh, especially, yeah, especially, yeah, yeah. especially with the self-titled jobby there. I'm thinking, okay, that's a big piece of piping, yeah. but what on earth is that for? It looks, it looks almost. I don't yeah. know. It look, almost looks. Uh, like a prosthetic, it, it, it just gets the mind racing yeah. before you even consider yeah. listen, listening to the flipping record. Anyway, I digress immensely, but I had to ask that question because it's, uh, it's important to myself. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now, now, uh, now you, yeah. you as a chap, um, you, you, cite, you cite some probably obvious um, influences because they, they just are with the genre of music you're playing, I mean, from Susie to Joy Division to Depeche Mode, Iggy, Suicide and, and, and Soft Moon. Um, Oh, yeah. is, is there anything missing out there, or perhaps something contemporary that you say, oh, I, really, I, really, I really like listening to them at the moment? Um, I've just been listening to the new Fever A album, um, yeah. Plunge, uh, and that's really great. One of Sith is incredible, um, uh, really into that. Um, and yeah, I've been getting into, what else have I been getting into recently? Getting into Oliver Coates, I saw him supporting Tom York earlier in the year. Um, and he did he did this track called Love um, on well he played the cello for um, on that track it was composed by Mika Levy uh, who did the soundtrack to Under the Skin um, and it's just the, the one of the most in, incredible pieces of music um, I mean it's not like it's, it's kind of I suppose I'm saying this is relatively I mean I, I listen to a lot um, post punk and kind of quite old stuff so relatively it's quite recent um, to me but I think it's a couple of years old now but um, I sort of saw him play it live earlier in the year um, and it's just absolutely incredible just this sort of amazing piece that sounds like um, an alien well it's about I think it's yes the part of the film is from is where um, a kind of alien alien love scene um, it's just yes yeah, really poignant and beautiful um, Mika Levy is incredible as well Fantastic. Yeah, yeah that, that really does kind of pinpoint your uh, your diverse musical taste. It's, it's always interesting to, to, to find out what, what artists are listening to. I mean, it's a, it's a given, and as much as I'm sure you'd, you'd be asking the same questions if it was the other way around. Um, now, yeah. you, you, you toured with one of my faves. I mean, you did a gig with uh, Slow Readers Club in, in, in May. Yeah, that, that must have been a... Yeah, that must have been a good... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we played at Rock City, and we, we supported them. That was amazing. They were really great. It was amazing. It was really packed out. They just finished like a, 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 a national tour, um, playing at sold out venue sort of thing, there's loads of people there really digging it, it was great, and it was amazing to play at Rock City, there's a, you know, everyone there is incredible, which made us feel really welcome, um, and yeah, it, it was a great stage to play on, um, and a lot of people came down, you know, we came down early and we came to see us, and we, and, you know, we sold, sold some merch to those guys, and that, that was, it was really great, yeah, really good. No, I, I was, I, that was the one that really stuck out to me in terms of, yeah, that must have been a real boon for you, especially playing, playing you know, one of the most iconic home venues you've got, which is superb. Yeah, absolutely. It was a dream come true, really. Yeah, it was brilliant. 
So, so yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember as a kid, you know, my first time I went to Rock City was it, it was it was it was uber iconic. It was first of all being let out the house, and then second of all actually, yeah, yeah. actually being there. Um, I was going to ask yeah, you. Absolutely. I was going to ask you uh, with 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 too bright, uh, you know, some years ago, four four, you know, over four years ago, you, you ventured into the yeah. cassette market. What was what was the, what was the uh, the reasoning behind that? Apart from the the, the semi recent craze of, of of cassette becoming a little bit more popular. Did you just want to do something novel? Yeah. Um, that, was, that was part, of, you know, it was part of it. It was kind of like interesting. I think we were talking, we just sort of toying with um, moving. We we're just moving from buying uh, physical copies and you know, straddling buying something physical and loving physical objects and looking at artwork and hold, taking away something from a, a show or you know getting something through a post is, is really amazing. Um, but also at the same time um, was starting to stream and download music um, at that time as well. So it was sort of, we, as, as listeners, we were, both, we were doing that, uh, both those things. Uh, it was interesting that you could kind of, it's just, I don't know, there's sort of like this almost nostalgia or beauty in just ha having a, a tape uh, as an object. Um, I think they sound great as well. Um, and I think it was a really nice, um, we were just sort of trying something out really, um, but it's definitely, I'm not, there, there are some really avid tape collectors out there and there's some amazing tape um, labels. Uh, yeah, there are. There's a, Brooklyn, there's a, there's a, a really amazing Brooklyn label, uh, Night People um, Records, who put out some incredible tapes, like all screen printed artwork and some, they just, this, it's an amazing kind of collectability to those as objects, um, especially with the like con the consistency of their artwork. Um, so yeah, hello. Well, that was very rude of me. I don't know what happened there. No, I think it might have been my end. I reckon it's just poor Nottingham signal. It turns <laughs> on some like, really oblique angles and trying to make sure I'm not found on radar. But unfortunately, that means like telephone calls difficult as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just 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 don't don't move from where you are, and then we we can wrap this oh, up. Yeah, lovely. Well, we were talking about the cassettes, and that that was just cool. I wanted to ask about that because I, I found that pretty pretty novel, but it's a uh, it's pretty specific boutique terrain. Um, I was going to ask you, um, in your in your wonderful repertoire, um, are there any cover versions that you're burning to do that you want to that you want to take into the studio? If someone said, look, here, here's you know here's a budget to write one to, to to attack one cover version. What would you do? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I reckon, like, I don't, we don't, we, we've done a few sort of like covers, uh, versions for like certain gigs and things. We never recorded any really. Yeah. Um, but something like, if we did something like, you know, like a magazine cover or something like that, you know, like uh, The Light Pours Out of Me or something like that. Would be great that song. would be, that would be uh, right yeah, up your alley. That would be, song, isn't it? yeah. 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 Well, I, I, so sort of like, if you just sort of, um, not, not worry about playing covers and just for, for the shit hell of it, that would be a great one, I think. Yeah, I, I think I can, I can, I can sort of um, mentally sort of 3D assemble you covering that. I think that would work quite nicely. Um, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was going to ask you another, another oh, actually, another lazy question of mine. Um, I'm going to ask, okay. ask you if, if you wouldn't mind curating the three songs that you'd like me to play around this interview. Of of your own sure. stuff, not uh, not just. I'm, I'm talking specifically about I Am Lona, not anyone else. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I want three three songs by you that you choose that you think are really great representations for people to say, yeah, I'm really going to buy this bloke's records. This is really good stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, so I, I reckon, um, I think uh, America uh, from uh, New AED would be great yeah. um, to put on there. Um, I also think um, Lovers of the uh, New EP would yeah. be really good. Um, and maybe um, uh, maybe infrared from the, uh, the first EP as well. Wonderful. Well, you you, you, you rattled you rattled that off quite nicely without having to think an awful lot. That's great. Um, and I've got I've got one last I've got one last question. And if you do listen to the program, you probably know this is coming. Um, I ask everybody yeah. this, and and um, you're no different. So, so conceivably, you and the lads around my house after after a successful gig, you've got. A, You've got a hot beverage in your hand, and I, and, I, and I come out of the pantry with the magic biscuit tin. And I, I say, Matthew, you can choose any biscuit on God's green earth or the cosmos as we know it. Uh, past, present, or future, what biscuit would you choose? Hobnob. Fair play. Chocolate hobnob. Dark chocolate hobnob, mate. Oh, dark. Okay. okay. All right. So, okay, yeah, you're showing your individuality, none of this milk nonsense. Okay, good. Well, you, you, I must say that you're, you're in the top ten of... Of, of minimal hesitancy with, with answering your question there, which I'm pretty impressed with in itself, because <laughs> it, it's, it's not, it's a simplistic question but at first glance. Actually, now, 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 we're, now we're thinking about it, and it's, it's just quite a lot of good biscuits on the Exactly, uh, but the whole point is just to, them, you, you know, you, yeah. go, you go with your gut, literally, for your first answer, and you've got to stick with it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and, and, and I'm glad that we could arrange this because it's, it's been sort of back and forth for a while, but I'm, I'm really happy to, to, to have chatted with you, and, and, and uh, I wish you the very best. I, 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 I'm, I love your music, and, and, I, and I hope that with, with uh, every subsequent release you gain more prominence and, and more listenership. And there goes my blinking yeah. phone again. Thanks. My goodness, mate. No, it was really great to speak to you. Thanks ever so much. Thanks for getting in touch. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, mate. Good luck with everything, mate. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I'll, and I'll, and I'll uh, drop you line in the next two, three days when, when uh, we're ready to rock. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. Ta-ra. Take care. So there you go. That's uh, all you need to know about I Am Lono. Go to iamlono.bandcamp.com to get anything and everything by this band. They really, really are good. And my thanks to you, Matthew, for, uh, for sending me some of the tracks that I didn't actually have. And uh, also taking the time to chat with me. Thank you so much. Here's a song that is beautifully uh, positioned as the lead track to the sixth track, I Am Lono. Here's a song called Infrared.
Philadelphia's Book of Love, their second single from 85 that also appears on their debut and self-titled LP, I Touch Roses. That is a gem, is it not? Preceded by, thank you so much, uh, Matthew, for the chat. That uh, is I Am Lono, iamlono.co.uk, iamlono.bandcamp.com to keep abreast of all things from their camp. Up next, a lengthy chat with Bid from The Monochrome Set. The Monochrome Set are one of those outfits that uh, if you don't know of them in terms of their output and having heard it, you, you will have heard the name and probably, I would like to think, at least wondered what they're all about. One of those uh, rare bands that defy categorization often lumped in with the, with the post-punk scene and, and, and New Wave and even Psych. Quite simply, Bid and the band have written a catalogue of quite wonderful records over the course of time, starting way back when, in, uh, in 1978 with the formation of the band, and uh, all the way through to, uh, to 2018's brand new and latest record. Well, not, it's actually not brand new, but latest from this year, uh, Maisie World, which, which I'll play a song from uh, as the last of the three. Uh, so that'll be the last song I'll play on this week's programme. The Monochrome Set's debut single uh, was entitled He's Frank. It came out uh, on uh, Rough Trade Records in 1979. Soon to follow came this, the slight return version of He's Frank. <laughs> He's got secular joy He's a peculiar boy But now the last of it's gone The pure boy is no more He'll save him from being a man not me He's got precious youth Take it for 
Turn that is the monochrome set and uh, a song to give you a little bit of a taster. So that's how they sounded way back in '79, and arguably their most popular song uh, is a single from 1984 on Blanco y Negro Records entitled Jacob's Ladder. Let's give it a listen. <laughs> Jacob's ladder. We're climbing Jacob's ladder. We're climbing Jacob's ladder. Uh-huh. We'll take my eyes and let them run to the side of distant drums. Then take those drums and let them boom boom. My baby's her groom. I got a girl, she got a man, all of God's children, they clap their hands, I got a heart, and she got mine, my baby's good and I'm fine, we're climbing Jacob's ladder, we're climbing Jacob's ladder, we're climbing Jacob's ladder, Jacob's ladder. Uh-huh. 
take my voice, yes, take his voice, and let it yell, and let it yell. At the side, at the side, of wedding bells, of wedding bells, and take those bells, and take those bells, and let him ring, and let him ring. My baby swell. swell. Now let's all sing. I got a girl. She got a man. All of God's children. Climbing Jacob's ladder. We're climbing Jacob's ladder. We're climbing Jacob's ladder. Superb. That's the monochrome set with Jacob's Ladder. It's now time for me to go into my chat uh, with Bid, which was uh, very involved, very fun and very informative. Um, Bid was born in Calcutta and via New York and Montreal ended up in, in London, specifically in Hornsey, where he, over the course of time, uh, he met and assembled the band, which uh, came together in 78 uh, from the remnants of a college band called the B-Sides, which uh, featured uh, uh, one Stuart Goddard, uh, a.k.a. Adam Ant. And uh, they really gave momentum in 1979 and the rest is history they've been uh, producing records uh, quite consistently apart from a sabbatical between about 95 and 2012 where uh, where bid went off and did uh, several other things which you will hear about uh, one of which is is a band that he'll go into some detail about in the interview as well so enjoy it immensely as i did and i'll be back to play one more song to wrap things up i'll be playing something off the latest record Maisie world released on tapet records uh, earlier this year here's myself and here's bid i'm fine thanks can you hear me okay you are clear as a bell sir uh, I'm just okay, just want to make sure that uh, we're in sync here. You, you were expecting the call, were you? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Sometimes these things do get uh, do get messed about, and, and I, get, I get a startled person on the other line. But uh, I'm glad yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're expecting yeah. the call. Well, for, well, first of all, thank you so much for for, for your time. It's, it's it's a real pleasure to be talking to you, a, a band and a, and a chap that I've followed uh, since I was a little boy. So it's it's a bit special for me. That's well, a good start, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Now, now, what what's what's a typical day for you nowadays uh, after after the the recent release of Maisie World? What's uh, what's occupying your time nowadays? Well, I mean, with the band, I, I, I mean, I'm writing the next album at the moment. Perfect. And you know, I do like a couple of other things, you know, as sidelines, if you like. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's that's it really. I mean, we're, 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 it, 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 the the it's a sort of a holiday, you know, August and September. But at the same time, um, uh, I take the opportunity of, of writing songs because we're we'll record the next album in the spring, so I have to kind of start writing now. Right. Okay. That well, you've already you've already handily answered several questions all in one full swoop, which is great. Um, now, is it fair to say that, that the next record will be on on tapette bit? Yeah, to pay to. German label, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did how did things align there? Because I'm a big fan of the label, although I can't obviously phonetically pronounce it in, in, in proper German. But um, uh, I'm very well aware of a lot of the artists, buy a lot of the material. I, I, I've got a lot of respect for Gunter. How, how did things align with yourself and Gunter? Uh, in uh, I would imagine that would have been in 2014, 2015. Um, well, we, we were just on tour in Germany at the time, and these two geezers came up to me and said, "Would you like to sign with us?" <laughs> and I, did, I didn't know who they were, but then, but then German people tell me that it's it's one of the biggest or the biggest independent label in Germany. So, and to be 
Peter Ming's wallpaper, I think, in German. Um, and it's it's just been really good being with them. You know. Great. No, I, I, everyone I've spoken to, you know, literally a bands I've interviewed on the label, and. It's just a wonderfully run boutique label that really has the the best intentions of the artist at, at heart. That, that's that's what I can yeah. garner. That's what I can garner from everybody who's uh, who's involved. It, it's really because um, the people who run the label, especially the owner, they're in they're in bands themselves, mm. and so so they have an understanding of it. Um, I mean, they're businessmen as well, yes. and uh, we're kind of very we're hyper efficient and easy to deal with. You know. Um, we, there's no weird people in the band, <laughs> you know, unlike some, and and we just get on with it, and and we also tour a lot, so um, we we sell the records, you know, at merch stands when we go away, which is what they like. They like bands to to promote the stuff and sell the stuff on tour. Yeah. So 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 that's it, it's just a good partnership, you know, you know between us. Oh, it's a great home. It's a great home. So so you're writing. You're writing now to record in spring to release in autumn. Is that probably a decent timeline? Yeah, it's it's really you know it's the old um, cycle of about eighteen months. Yeah. And and when you know, I mean, it's so much easier for a writer to write when you know that you've got to, you know. So you look ahead, and the uh, Maisie World was was released in February yes. of this year, so so it should be about the next um, release should be around about September October. 2019, so we have to bring in the album sometime in May or June next year, so we have to start recording in April, so therefore we have to rehearse in October, November, December, so therefore I have to start writing now. So, so it works back from that, so you know that you actually have to start yeah, doing yeah. that stuff. And also it works out that it's just been a nice summer with not too many things going on. We do have some uh, dates in Spain, four dates in Spain at the end of, well, near the end of September. But um, you have a kind of proper schedule. You know, it's like a, it's not really a normal schedule. It's kind of a showbiz schedule, like, uh, which is typical for, for pro bands or for films. It's kind of long term. You know, you're talking, you're talking looking ahead a year or two years and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it, but, but you get used to you know thinking like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cyclical, it's, it's habitual for you now, it's just how, how you yeah. operate. Um, now, you've worked a lot with, with, with John Clayton of late. Will, will this continue? Yes. Um, it's just so good and so easy to work with him. And he just knows, he himself is a very accomplished musician. Apart from being a very good bass player, he's got loads of gear in there, he's a very good cellist, he, he plays piano and keyboards, so he can fill in certain things. You know, yeah. He enjoys doing it, and it's just, it's, and it's fairly close to me, it's only about two miles away from where I live. Um, so everything is, is just very, very good. Yeah. Wonderful. It's, it's lovely that you can find you know, that extra band member of sorts with, with the empathy to, 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 to entrust your art to. It must, be, it must be very comforting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we're lucky in a way. You know, I mean, some people have difficulties in the countries that they live in. Or, or with the with the with the language that they're singing, or the labels that they're on, but it's just at the moment very good for us. Great, no, it's just a wonderful thing to hear that that comfort level being being something you can rely upon. Now, you've been you've been uh, noted as saying in in the past, and and, and um, it's, it's a reasonable quote. It might not be bang on, but it's, it's a sense of 
that uh, you, you don't really know where your motivation stems from and that you, you, you really don't really have uh, the control over what you write. Uh, could, could, could you expand upon that? Yeah, it's really that, um, the, the, I mean, the artistic uh, process is really that there's something else inside you that does the creation and um, you just kind of have to let it out mm. and you just have to let it flow. And in order for it to have something to work on, you have to kind of live. You can't just live on a desert island or something. I've always heard songs about sand, you know. Yeah. You've got to actually kind of live some sort of interesting life, you know, or even read or whatever, or just go on, on the internet or something. But you, it's it's good to to do something. You're, you're, you're kind of the actor in the play, and um, you've got to... And, and when it comes to it, you just let it flow. And, you know, I don't really try to control it, because a lot of the times I'll write a set, series of songs, and I think, where did that come from? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really try to stop it, you know? It, I just find it interesting that these things come out, and I just don't know. Half the time, I don't really know what they mean. Mm. Um, and, and there are a lot of songs and a lot of lyrics, I still don't really know what they mean. And you don't... And, and in fact, when you, when you see some interviews with certain big artists, you know, like Neil Young and Lou Reed and Bob Dylan, they tend to be a little bit cagey about what did this song mean or where did this come from, because it's pretty much the case that they don't know either. Yeah. It just comes out. And I think it's good for an artist to know that it's not exactly your consciousness that, that consciously does these things. Because there are some artists, um, for example, Morrissey, <laughs> that, that they take on this, this persona of the genius, but it's not them that's the genius, it's something else inside them. You know, so it, it's good to step back from that and, and not not say that, oh yeah, I'm this great guy who does this and does that. And kind of explain sometimes about certain people appearing to be thick as two short planks, but actually then it's really clever. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's actually something else inside them that does it, it's not them at all. No, I, I I understand that. It's just you very you very rarely get that admission from an artist that you're you're a sort of conduit, a channel of this this. this yeah, well, I, it, it was really that it, it was my it was my particular circumstance of having an aneurysm, you know, a, a ruptured aneurysm. Yes. So that um, I, I was brain damaged, you know, and and during the course of writing, it's sometimes the case that my consciousness goes into a state of aphasia where I don't understand any language at all and my hand keeps writing away. So I don't know what I'm... I literally don't know what I'm writing at all. I look at the words that I'm writing and it looks like, you know, the Thai script or... Hieroglyphic. <laughs> something like that. I just, it's just squiggled to me. But when, when my recognition of language comes, it's usually five or ten minutes later that I just take a break and everything comes back. And then I just see that it's just what I would normally write, but so therefore it's something else doing it. I know that this is weird. It sounds like a it's not weird. Strange. It's not weird. I, I can assure you. It's it's just it's honest, and, and and that's that's wonderful that you can you can talk yeah. with such candor about but it. I, I think that, that there's certain professions like um, the army or sportsmen that they create this alternative identity that that does all these things and and does all these things like a very very intelligent creative robot, if you like. But being an artist, a little bit, a little bit different because you. Got something in there which is creating something from nothing. It's not copying anything. It's, it's doing something which is, even if it might be rubbish, it's still something that's never been done before by anybody. 
and explores. There's nothing to really explore that you actually need to have been an artist yourself or need to have an enormous amount of sympathy or empathy with, with an artist to be able to really... I mean, I'm, I've read a lot of books by neurosurgeons and things, but most of the time they're really just... Um, they're just mechanics, you know. They're like a good, good bit of drilling and shopping. Yeah. Well, I've just I've just got to say that, that, that you know you, you've been very candid about the aneurysm, and, and it must have been again anybody who's had a significant uh, uh, health issue such such as such as yourself. I mean, I'm not going to use the word epiphany, but but of course it undoubtedly uh, changes your way of thinking, and you've touched upon that quite nicely. Are there any other things that that are as a result of going through that struggle that have changed well, you ongoing? Um, yeah, uh, I think I've already changed. I don't think it's really... It's sort of made me a bit more laid back, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, people say I've changed, but I have a bit softened and a bit... I've become a bit more laid back, but I think it's just age as well. Yes. Um, I, I don't really... Uh, I just. I suppose it's just hastened a little bit the kind of mental process of ageing, but um, apart from that, I don't feel... Too different. I mean, I mean, I'm just a bit more relaxed about the whole thing about death and stuff like that. So, so anyway, talking about uh, your, your, your honesty with regards to, to the lyrical process, which is, which is fascinating to talk about, and I suppose if we could talk about that till the cows come home, but we, there's other things to touch upon. Um, just, just some corroboration, really. Um, I remember reading as a, as, a, as a young as a youngster that that that, uh, that you were signed on the spot by by Jeff Travis. Is, is that true? Um, yes, we, we were. We I guess you have to we had to pretty good life views when we were. Um, you know, starting out the first year or so, and he came to see us at, uh, I think it was Ronnie Scott's in, in London, and he just he just offered us a deal there, and then I think that uh, we would have got a deal anyway, but Rough Trade were the best independent at the time. Yeah. And um, I think in those days, you know, it was just really easy to get record deals because people used to buy records and need to go out to see bands. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I mean, those rough trade singles really sold a lot of singles and they didn't end up in the main charts because in those days, independent sales from independent record companies weren't allowed in the main charts. Yes. So a lot of the things, um, I mean, including our records, he's Frank and I and the Symphony and the Monotone, so those singles would have been in the main charts uh, because they sold as many or almost as many as, as commercial singles. Absolutely. So... It'd be nice if somebody could have access to that data and then redo the charts with the Indian numbers. That'd be fascinating to see, wouldn't it, at some point? Yeah, it would. I mean, it, 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 it's very, very difficult because the independent charts were just based on sales, but the main charts were just based on a lot of massaging of figures and things like that. Oh, you know, of course. In order, in order to get people in. A, I mean, the Sex Pistols never sold enough to get to number one. I know that for a fact. Yes. But... Um, Absolutely. But I, I feel as well, I mean, I have to say that uh, I mean, part of the reason, I like to think part of the reason why you're talking to me today is because I'm good, but it's also because I, I started in a period where it's possible to, to make fans, it's possible to make a name for yourself, because I've just seen so many really good fans in the past 20 years, but some of them even didn't end up. 
Well, you're not wrong there. I mean, and again, that's another topic of debate because you've had to, over the course of time, you've seen the industry metamorphosize into what it is today, which is, which is far from the finished product, whereby the industry's fumbling to, to have some kind yeah. of fairness involved, whereby the artists actually have uh, have the opportunity to make a living. If you're Radiohead, you can afford to give albums away willy-nilly, but uh, as you quite rightly say, uh, an up-and-coming band to actually make it uh, is uh, it's very tricky. The machinations are so different, and it's 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 a very very difficult endeavour to, to actually make a living uh, from scratch now in the industry, as I'm sure you can. Oh, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just, just curious, I mean, what, what music were you subject to growing up in, in the, the Sashadri household? I kind of... Uh... Yeah, I didn't listen to music until I was probably nine or ten. I guess I grew up in India and, and went came here via uh, America and Canada uh, and settled in, in England. Where were you in and Canada, Bid? Just instantly, where were you in Canada? I'm not sure, because I'm, I'm, I'm in Canada now. Uh, where were you? I'm from Cal... Yeah, I'm from Calcutta. Yes, I understand uh, that, but in Canada, where um, did you live? My mother's uh, American and my father's Indian. Yes. And we went to New York first. Yeah. And then we then we went to Montreal. Montreal, okay. And, uh, and then we, we we came to London. And I, I wasn't really brought up with, with music, if you like, mm. Western music. And um, I, I didn't really... Yeah, and then, then I got into the usual stuff, I suppose, for a boy. Going to grammar school, like prog rock and that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, that's, in, that's inevitable, then, isn't it? <laughs> sort of got into late sixties uh, American substitute garage music and did all that underground and stuff like that. And then I just started writing. And really, when I started writing, I kind of when the monochrome set started, we just weren't listening to contemporaries at all. We were just doing, we were locking the door and getting into our own stuff. And I think that you know. A lot of bands weren't really. It was an it was a movement, but it was a movement. The new wave movement was a, a kind of a natural movement. It wasn't necessarily people copying each other. Well, I mean, later on, yes. especially with punk bands who suddenly doubled the speed of all their songs and they, then they became a punk band. But there were a lot of other bands like um, in the beginning Wire and and Mondi and the Monochrome Set who weren't doing that. They were just doing their own thing. Exactly, exactly. But it's very easy and uh, lazy to be uh, to be lumped in a genre, which you, you you have been. But it's just for ease of it's just for ease of journalistic uh, delivery, I think, largely. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and and you know, it was it was sort of young people, and you know, you couldn't, you didn't want to do complicated program pieces, and you couldn't anyway. You just wanted to do sort of simple songs, and 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 they came out rather raw because you were young. Yeah, of course, that's that wonderful naivety, isn't it? Yeah. Now, is, is, is it fair to say that Scarlet's well? Is is this a completed project now? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to go back to it, but I, I did seven albums with Scarlet's well. At the time that I left the monochrome set and went, you know, a few years later went into Scarlet's well, I just needed to do something really very different hmm. because I wasn't really as a writer going anywhere. I think with the monochrome set, I just needed to. Beautiful. Where I, I really grew as a songwriter and as a lyric writer as well. It's a wonderful, it's just a wonderful repertoire over the course of, I think, the best part of 12 years. And it's, 
it's it, you know for everybody listening, you you need to you need to explore the, the discography of Scarlet as well, and I'll of course be playing some yeah. over the course of time. Well, I mean, those records, as is typical, um, it, it, it sort of Scarlet's well has kind of disappeared, you know. But at the time that those records were released, they sold a lot of records. They really did, and it's just one of those things that you know. Um, when you disappear, like the next day, you've forgotten about completely. Yes. <laughs> so that's the modern world, and that's the way it is. So I don't mind it, uh, but it's just um, uh, possibly, you know, in the next five years or something, someone might like to take it up and re-release them as a box set or something. I, I think they're really good, but then, you know. Well, every every once in a while, I send I send my list to Cherry Red. <laughs> and, yeah. and usually get ignored, but uh, that's definitely on my wish list for 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 something along the lines of uh, well, yeah, triple triple quadruple CD sets to incorporate all 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 of the oeuvre of work. That'd be lovely to have. It, ultimately, I'll 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 be bugging them. I'll be bugging them yeah. in, in the short term. Um, are there any contemporaries that you're particularly impressed with? Um, is anything that you're listening I, to? I don't really listen to music. Particularly now, I do hear, you know, what support bands and things like that, which I think is great. I can't remember their names. And <laughs> so, so yes, the way it is, you know, you kind of like roll in from because um, you go out to eat usually when the support band is on. It's not because we don't want to see them. It's just to see the schedule of the evening. But there is one band. They're not a new band, but they've just recently a song called Sleepy People. Ah. They're from Newcastle, and they they released uh, two or three cracking albums back in the in the late nineties. And they're just a great band. It's great to have them back. Um, so maybe they'll maybe they'll do something. I don't know. But um, um, they, they, I mean, I like bands who have really got something interesting about them. You know. Well, of course, of course, much like yourselves. Now, with regards to the recent uh, box set. Oh, yeah. Oh. You're just packing up again. Oh my goodness, I do apologise. Can you hear me okay now? Pardon? Oscar Charlie Wilco, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you've got it. Just just, just talking about the, the recent box set, uh, what was your level of involvement with uh, compiling that? Um, well, fairly involved. So, so there wasn't really much to do except for <laughs> to paint it to get the... Do you mean the Tepeta box set or the Cherry Red box set? Uh, I was specifically talking about the Tepeta one. Well, the, uh, the Tepeta box set, the full box set, was was um, their idea because the first two albums reverted to us, so so that we could, uh, and they were not hadn't been available for five years or something. Yes. So we thought we'd get them out and get them out kind of permanently, you know. Yeah. So so hopefully at some point they'll be released as individual albums. The strength of cheap young zombies, and um, they just wanted to do like that whole first period, and we thought that was fine. And then, you know, Cherry Red also wanted to do that. I don't know why, but <laughs> so they put their version out. But it's not, it's not a complete thing. You know, it's just the usual Cherry Red thing. Yes. Um, so but, there's, but there's some wonderful rarities on the on the Tepete tepe uh, 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 comprehensive box set. There really are. Those those really really hard to get items. It's lovely to have them all in one place. Yeah, well, you know, um, they have been released, but they've just been B-sides and things like that. It's, it's inevitable that B-sides get deleted and they don't appear on anything, and they just they have to be re-released as part of the package. You know. Yeah, well, we are one of the few bands that actually have as many compilations as studio LPs. 
that's one of the accolades I can offer you. Sorry, I'm saying that you're one of the you're one of the few bands who could actually actually claim to have as many compilations as studio albums. Well, yeah, but that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't for one second blaming you. I was it was just purely observational. Yeah, okay. Purely well, observational. Quite a few albums, but well, the sad thing is that a lot of our nineties albums are not available anymore. I can't persuade Terry to re-release them. So, so what's going to happen with that? I don't know. Well, it's so, lo lobbying by the fans and, and incessant letter I mean, writing. We, we did five albums in the nineties. Yeah, and, and they are changing hands for silly money on Discogs et al. On, on, online. So uh, let, let's hope that, you know, for the sake of the people who are discovering you, uh, or perhaps rediscovering you, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that they, they will see light. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, your voice, this is like a comedy act, but it's not something. Oh, is but it? It's very, it's very Yeah, I, I do apologise, but it was irrelevant, really, what I was saying. <laughs> you know, I'll edit this bit out. I've got one last question for you, and I, and I hope that you can hear me clearly for this question, which is entirely non-musical related. However, it's a question I've always asked everybody. So hypothetically, the monochrome set are at my house. You've all got a cup of tea in your hand after a successful gig. And I, and I bring out the magic biscuit tin from the pantry which affords you the luxury to choose any biscuit on God's green earth, what would you choose? Oh, now that's an interesting question. <laughs> it is. It is, and it stumps yeah, many. Yeah, yeah, biscuits get, get to the heart of man's soul. That, um, oh, I'm going to use that quote, thank you very much. That's fantastic. Oh, well, now, biscuits, now, there's quite a few biscuits I do like, but, um, oh dear. Go with your gut, no oh, pun intended. So, so, so okay, because because I've got this very intricate infographic bit that that that, that places artists adjacent to their biscuit of choice. So I I, I just want to be sure because because the Jaffa cake is an intrinsically unique biscuit, of course. Now this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about something no, no, with no, a. No. It was similar to Jaffa cake, but it wasn't like a, a marmalade filling. It was more of a fondant, orange fondant filling. I can't remember what they called. Were they circular? And Yes. But this wasn't this wasn't like a biscuit and it wasn't like a sponginess. It was sort of like, oh I know what they call Viscount. Viscount, okay. No 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 there you go. That's gonna save me a heck of a lot of googling. Thank you. And I am gonna yeah, yeah, actually I remember now the whole thing was covered in chocolate. Viscount orange there you go, fantastic. Got there in the end, and I'll be sending you your lovely infographic at some point as well. But in the meantime, my apologies for the for the uh, the quality of the call, but you've been absolutely fantastic, and, and I'm I'm positive that the listenership are going to get a whole lot out of this, and it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, well, thanks. It's been a pleasure. All the best. Take care. Okay, then. Bye, babe. Uh, bye. I think there are two types of people. There are people who love the monochrome set, and then there are people who haven't discovered them or learned about them and then learn to love the monochrome set. 
two distinct uh, types of people. Which one are you? Are you already uh, pre-indoctrinated or did that interview do the trick and push you over the edge? Let's hope so. Here's a track off this year's Maisie World, Stage Fright. Smiling at something inside you Slap on the shadow Glittering red Step to the
smiling at something Stage fright, the monochrome set of this year's Maisie World LP. Hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. It's been a great show. Lots of good tunes. Banter with Bid, banter with Matthew, and the end of 94. I'll be back next week with episode 95. Uh, who am I talking to next week? I'll be talking to uh, Shoe Shine 6, Shade Out, Wiggy Mouthful, uh, hoping to get to Close Lobsters. Uh, on the show as well in the next couple of weeks so they may well be uh, featured next week um, do do me a favour if you don't mind before uh, you hang up and I uh, and I sign off um, please recommend the programme to somebody who has similar consummate musical tastes such as yourselves uh, it would really help me uh, I just want more, more listeners make this more worthwhile come here every Sunday put together a show spend a lot of time doing this I'm not getting the violin out don't worry about that but uh, I just want a bit of help in spreading the word you like good music I like good music and it's all about sharing so please please share all the best back next week with episode 95 again my thanks to both Bid and Matthew Tarrah